You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. We're going to be reading from Philippians uh, 3, uh, verse 12 to 16. And I want you to uh, process this with me today. Where's your focus? I want you to process this question. Where is your focus? Um, Philippians 3, 12 and 16 says the following. says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting the lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God, Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that uh, also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Um, I'd like to take the next couple minutes to talk to you a little bit about facing forward. So let's let's pray together. Lord, um, speak to us. Lord, speak to every situation that we have here, where there's the person that just got in here for the first time and the person that has been persevering and uh, serving you here. I pray that you speak to all of us today, that your Holy Spirit would come and speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Paul was very strategic when uh, uh, when he was planting churches. He was he seems to me that he was a little obsessed about what he was doing, uh, and we can see that because of what he used to do before he came to Christ. Um, Paul um, planted cities where there was influence to neighboring cities around. He was always thinking of that, and and I was really I was really excited when I was reading this because that is what I think about Toronto. Like Toronto is one of those places that has influence over over places. It is the number one most multicultural city in North America. That means that North America sees Toronto as a place of influence. And that is who you are. Whether you think of that or not, you are a person of influence. And so um, we see that Paul um, is this is is is. Throughout the letters and in the book of Acts, we see him always thinking about new territories and we see him always thinking about new places and the beyond places. His goal was actually to get to Spain because at the time, Spain was the ends of the earth, right? Uh, A couple months ago, we got to go to South Africa and for me, that was the ends of the earth. (laughs) I I was like, how is this Mexican going to get to South Africa? You know, so uh, that for me, that was the ends of the earth. But uh, Paul was obsessed about getting to Spain because at that time that was the that was the ends of the earth and uh Paul's constant drive to take the gospel um where it was never known was just sending them and sending them to Spain uh, the letter of Philippians was the first uh the first church in the new territory of Macedonia so uh this 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 city was the first place that he was going to get to break through to get to Europe basically and so we see we we see in the Bible where it talks about Paul like trying to get there and he would try and is like, let me try this city and let me try this city. And for some reason, it just wouldn't work out. 
And so then God speaks to him in a dream and he tells him, hey, there's going to be a person that's going to help you out. So finally he's like, okay, this is it. I get to go. The next day he gets on a boat and he gets to, uh, to Philippi. And when he gets there, um, he, he's finally getting to the place where he's going to. So Philippi was a place, the first place that they broke through to get to Europe. And uh, like I pointed out, Paul has written out, written many letters by this time. And in every letter, we see that there's a tone to it, right? We see, we hear a tone to every, every letter that Paul is, is writing. And uh, everybody that has like an expectation that church has like been perfect at some point, it's, it's never been perfect. Um, because every letter that he was writing, he was like, hey guys, Corinthians, this is what we should be doing. And he was admonishing them and he was telling them, guys, we're missing the mark. We got, we got to get back to what, uh, what we're supposed to be doing. And so the question is, what is the tone of this, of this, uh, of this letter? And, and we can sum this up in one word. Encouragement. Joy. Philippians was uh, about joy. It's, it's the most, most joyful tone letter that Paul writes. He is so thankful to what God has been doing in Philippi through the, through the Christians in Philippi. And what prompted this letter? Like Paul was in Rome. He had just gotten in trouble because, um, there was some riots going on in Rome and they're like, dude, stop doing this. Like, what are you doing? So they, they throw him in jail. And while he's in jail, um, he's writing this. So can you imagine uh, the most encouraging letter, full of joy, was written when he was in prison. And... Um, and it's not like he had just won the lottery. Like, how is he writing something that's full of joy in prison? And, and here we see the concept that joy, the joy that God brings to us, it doesn't come from circumstances. We, we have to grasp that concept that no matter where we are, we can experience the joy of the Lord in our lives. So I'd like to ask you the same question. I, I want you to process this with me. Um, where is your focus? Like, where is your attention? Is it in the present circumstance? Is it what you're going through right now? Or is it in Jesus? Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I've counted everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing, just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may that I may gain Christ. As a kid, um, anytime we got new shoes, we would like want to race against our cousins. <laughs> so we would always testing them out, like, "Hey, do they run fast? <laughs> Let me see. Check them out. Let's see if they run fast." So um, I was always uh, the younger cousin. 
my brother's seven years older than me, and most of my cousins are like five to seven years older than me. So I was always hanging out with them, and um, I was just, I just wanted to be with them. They were like, to me, they were like the coolest people in town, you know? So uh, we do these races, and in this particular race, I just got new shoes, the Nike Cortez. I don't know if you've seen those before, right? I just gotten those, and I'm like, you know what? This is going to be so good. I'm going to beat these guys. Um, and one of my, one of my cousins was in crutches and I was like, dude, come on, get in the race. <laughs> I at least won't be the last one. So we get in the race and we're running. I'm getting in the race. I'm going and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up with them. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I just start going full throttle and, and I'm going past them. And as soon as I go past them, I'm like, this is. This is the best moment of my life. <laughs> and I'm passing them. And as soon as I do that, I turn back. And when I turn back, I trip up. And I end up on the floor. And when I end up on the floor, I don't just end up on the floor. There was like rocks and like my face is scraped. And uh, they finish the race. They come around me and they just start laughing at me. <laughs> They just start laughing at me. And, and I learned something there. That your face is always going to follow your feet. Your face is always going to follow your feet. And we are in this Christian race. And in the same way, your faith is going to follow your focus. In the same way, your faith is going to follow your speech, is going to follow your language, is going to follow your disposition, it's going to follow your main focus. Man, I got to this city, and as soon as I got here, I'm like, man, I love this place. I'm like, there is literally everybody in the world here. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. And we are every nation. God has called us to go to every nation and to every tongue. And to every tribe. And God's like, well, you actually, all you have to do is go to Toronto. <laughs> Just go hang out in Toronto. You, you can see everybody there. But your face is going to follow your faith. So I want to ask you today, where is, where is your focus? So I just want to give you three points on how to keep your focus facing forward. Um, your first, the first point is your season does not change your assignment. Your season does not change your assignment. Philippians 3.8 says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The book of Philippians was written by a man in prison. And a man in, chain, in chains writes the book with the most joy and the most encouragement. The book of Philippians is literally the most Instagrammable letter that has been written. Just go to Instagram, put Philippians, and you're going to see uh, 
girl, 18 to 35, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. <laughs> Nothing to do with the, the verse. New outfit. He that started a good work will be able to finish it. Hashtag blessed. The most Instagrammable letter of the Bible was written by a man that was in chains. Was written by a man that went to prison because of what he was preaching. And I can imagine him sitting in jail while looking at the guard. And while he's looking at the guard, it's, he's writing, he that began a good work in my life. I, I don't see it, but he, he will be able to finish it. And a man in chains is writing this book that encouraged people up until now to say, keep going. Don't stop where you are. And Paul's assignment was to write and to, and to take the gospel to bring faith and encouragement and joy. That was his assignment. But his current situation, his current season, where he was in while he was writing, was a season of complaint. He could have used that time to write to every person that he knew and say, hey, remember that one time that I went to your place and we prayed together and the Lord got, did a breakthrough? <laughs> I, I, need, I need your help. I scratch your back. Uh, I need you to scratch mine out. He had every reason to write and say, get me out of here. But while he was in there, he writes and he says, you know, it is good for the gospel that I am here. Literally, I can imagine every guard just tired of Paul saying, do you know Jesus? <laughs> it said, it is good that I am here in chains, in prison. Many of us have been there many times. May not be a literal prison, but we've been there. And many times, if we're not careful, we are going to let our season change our assignment. If we're not careful, what's going to happen is that you're going to say, you know what, I'm just going to put this on pause. I'm just going to, like, I know where I came from. Like, I served and I did so much, but I, I, I got to put this on pause. I know that the Lord called me to do this and to do, but I, I've got to put it on pause. 
And what happens is that life doesn't pause, but you do. And so we stay there. And we're not careful enough and we don't see it and it just passes by. We're letting our season just change the assignment that has, God has put over our lives. And so I just want to ask you today, what's leading you today? Your season or your assignment? Because I want to tell you that there is enough people in this place that if you don't have faith, they have faith for you. That there is enough people in this place that if you are lacking something, they are here to be a spiritual family, to be where you are lacking. I have been so encouraged to be here in Toronto because I can see the Lord just doing things, one thing after another, one thing after another. Spending time with Pastor Bird and he's telling me what God is doing here and I'm like, wow, all I can see is that, wow, God is moving things. God is putting a team together. God is about to explode this thing. God is going to do something with this place. This is a place of influence. What is he going to do? But church, we cannot let our season change the assignment that I God has put over Toronto because there is so much that we are going to reach. There's so much that we are going to get to, but, but you're it. Like you're it. It's not Pastor Bert. Not Pastor Richard. Not Pastor Tristan. Like it. They're part of it, but it's all of us. It's all of us. We are a body of Christ. And the, the truth is that we can't change our season. Cannot change our season, but we can choose to obey. Now, forget obey. We can choose to steward the assignment that God has given us, even in this hard season, even now. And so what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Till you graduate? Till you write that book? Till you find that girl? Till you find that boy? Till you get married? Till you start that business? Until the church gets to a certain place? Until until what? Like, what are you waiting for? We're not careful. We're going to let our season change our assignment. And I just love you enough not to keep you comfortable. Because there is so many gifts so many dreams, so many businesses, so many books, movies that are in you. And they're just waiting for you to take the first step. That's all. And after you take the first step, you'll see the provision of the Lord take you to the next place. That's why you've been frustrated. You're right. You're not meant to do church as usual because Toronto is not church as usual. But you're here because God called you here. You're here because you're supposed to be here. 
You're here because you have the giftings that takes to take this place to the next to the next level. And so let me just get to the second point because I'll just stay there forever. <laughs> You're on the inside. You belong. You're an insider. You're not an outsider. This is who you are. Philippians 3.2 says, look out for those dogs. Isn't that what it feels like when you meet like a religious person that is like just trying to put their expectations on you because they've been frustrated with the way that they've followed Jesus, that they think that you got to follow him this way and it's got to look this way. But God has put so much more inside of you and you are actually willing to go through the work that it takes for you to let go of the things that you got to let go so that you can follow Jesus. Which is Paul, that's why Paul's like, look out for those dogs. They're just after you. All they have is bark. They're not going to bite. All they have is bark. For those evildoers. For those who look to mutilate the flesh. Pastor Olaf, is my first day here. We're talking about mutilating the flesh. What are we talking about here? It's Paul's fault. I'm just reading what he wrote. <laughs> Paul was talking about circumcision. Paul was talking about um, something that a ceremony that they would do on the eighth day for uh, all of the males. That's what he was doing. Because this religious people were trying to put this expectation on new Christians and said, you have to do this. And so what Paul is doing here is that he's taking a massive stab on conventional wisdom of the time of the Jewish people against the Gentiles. And he's taking a massive stab and saying, hey, the elephant in the room is this. We no longer have to conform to the traditions that they had for us to be an insider with Christ. Paul was teaching a new way of being. What he was basically saying was that there is no more people that are more important than you. He leveled the playing field. Leveled the playing field. And he starts writing and he says, do you think you're special because of a ritual that, that is performed on the eighth day? He goes through Every single thing that Jewish people uh, considered as if you have this, you are it. You're in. Until you have this, you are not in. Circumcision on the eighth day. And he says, do you think, it's, do you think you're important because of the place, that, the tribe that you come from? You think you're important because who you study under? Do you think you're important because of the domination you come from? Because of the church that you come from. Like what makes you think that you're more important? And he says, if there is anything to brag. It's one thing. It's Christ. What he was telling, what, what they were hearing is like, wait, what? Like there's no lines that separate us now. Like everyone has access 
to the inner courts? Everyone has access to the presence of God? Like it's no longer like if you're rich or if you're poor or if you're male or if you're female or no, like none of that matters now. Like everybody can come boldly to the presence of God. And this is what they were hearing. And he says, yes, because Jesus paid the price so that we can all come to the throne of grace. What they were hearing is like, wait, I'm no longer an orphan. I'm no longer a second class citizen. I'm no longer last choice. What he was telling them, no, now you are a sinner in the hands of a loving God that died for you so that you can live the life that you could have never lived. And I want to emphasize the feeling that the Gentiles were feeling of, uh, I'm on the inside now. And can you imagine years and years of training them that they were like dogs, that they were like, they were filthy, that the, that those kind of people, the Gentiles, they were not in. And can you imagine years of telling them, you're out, you're out, you don't belong, you don't belong, you don't belong. And all of a sudden they hear Paul saying, wait, forget those dogs. You are now in. Because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. You are now in. And can you imagine uh, what the Jewish Christians, the Jewish people that had given their faith, that put their faith in Christ, uh, can you imagine them having to put their racism aside and say, you know what, you are now my brother. Can you imagine them just saying, I shouldn't be doing this and my family is not going to like this, but because you are in Christ, you are not my brother. When I took over Mid-Cities in Espanol, it was a Mexican church. And it's great. I mean, great food, great everything. But the Spanish-speaking countries in in, in in uh, America is not just one country. It's a lot of them. And it took hard work. It took us, the service host people like, hey, can't say Mexican jokes. Because people aren't going to get it. They're going to feel like they're outside. They're going to feel like they don't belong. Like, what is, is that a, like an inside joke? Paul was telling them, like, hey, there's no password now. You ever been with a group of friends who's like, they have their inside jokes, they like, they know what they're talking about. You get there and it's like, yeah, he's like, there's no password, there's no inside, like everybody's in. And we, we had to fight for that. In our campus, we had to fight. Because God was bringing people from Colombia, but God was bringing people from Venezuela. God was bringing people from Brazil. God was bringing people from Argentina. God was bringing people from Paraguay, from Cuba, from Spain, from all of these countries. That guess what? Don't like each other. I don't care where you're from. There is always going to be a sense of superiority. No matter where you're from. That's sin. What Paul was telling us is like, hey, there's no more of that. We've got to lay that aside. 
We've got to put that on the side. We are kingdom people. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe is now under the lordship of Christ. And now there's like 10 to 12 different countries in our campus. We had to fight for that. You live in the number one, most multicultural city in North America. Church, you're going to have to fight for that. And it's in you. And you're doing it. And I see it. And I celebrate it. Because this is what the kingdom of God should look like. And this is what it looks like in here. If you've ever had a question, what is heaven going to look like? Look around. Look around. This is what it's going to look like. And Paul says, I put every accolade of what I thought was important in my life. And he says, and now it's rubbish. And that's a nice word. He actually says like a really, really like, I'll let your pastors talk about that. (laughs) He says, I will leave the accolade of knowledge, the accolade of being known, the accolade of being from this tribe, all of those things, I'm going to leave them aside. Because there's only one thing that's most important to me now. It's Jesus. He's it. All of the things that I did before, everything that I did, when I came to Damascus, chasing the Christians that were leaving Jerusalem, and I was confronted with the Jesus He says, wow, this is it. I no longer have to do all of these things. He is it. He is my goal. And just to finish up, a third point is our identity is in who, not what. It's in who, not what. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order to gain that, in order that I may gain Christ. Paul's identity was now in Jesus. It was no longer knowledge, lineage, money, career, only Jesus. And yesterday we were walking around the city. I, I had so many steps yesterday. <laughs> it was great. It's so many steps, which is good because we had a lot of food. <laughs> but I just walking around the city, and you could see, like physically see, what people put their identity on. Like people put their identity in their sexuality. They put it in their money. They put it in self. They put their identity in all of these things. You can, you, we went to uh, have uh, dinner yesterday, and there was some people next to us, and I'm like, 
they put their identity in wealth. Put their identity in education. And they're great things. They're just terrible gods. And Paul puts all of his identity in Jesus. Can you imagine how hard it would be for you to get offended if the only thing that was worth value to you was Jesus? Can you, can you imagine how hard it would be for you to be offended? You can talk about my money? Cool. You can talk about my education. You can talk about my status. You can talk about it has no value to me. My identity is not in what. My identity is in who. And he says, now I count everything as garment. Everything that I used to boast about, everything that I, every time I walked into a place, people knew. And now I throw all that away. Paul was saying, the identity that I built, that false character that I built, now has no value. Now the only thing that has value. It's Jesus. The infinite knowledge of knowing Jesus is what I will is what I'm going to boast about from now on. In other words, Paul was just saying, "You want to mock me? You want to make fun of me? Cool. Wasting your time. You're wasting your time. None of that matters to me." So today I want to I want to ask you to process these things with me. I, not just to be a point or not just to be like another guy that comes from Texas, Mexican short, fat like guy. Cool, cool. No, no. No. Process this thing with like within yourself. Is your identity in what? Or is your identity in who? If it's in what, you will always be offended about something. But if it's in who, you will get to practice your spiritual practices of forgiveness, of grace, mercy. Guess what? You'll actually start being spiritual family. And he finishes off by uh, this, this chapter. He says, I, I press towards the mark. And he makes an illustration to athletes and to a race because the Greeks really love that stuff. And so he was very practical and he makes that reference. Hey, I press towards the mark. And when he does this, um, what they were hearing is like, oh, you know those races that we go and we see? 
of like the guys that when they're racing, they start with like more clothes. And as they're running, they begin to take things off so that they can press towards the mark so they can get there. He was telling them like, hey, this Christian life is like that. As you walk this, uh, as, as you run this race, you're going to have to take things off. And you're going to have to press towards it. Anytime that we hear the Bible telling us do this is because it's going to be hard. Press towards the mark. And here in Toronto, you're going to have to press against culture. You're going to have to press uh, against conventional thinking. You're going to have to press against so many things that are here. And so I said all that. Say this. Face forward. No matter where you are, face forward. The best days are ahead of you. You ever hang around people where like, hey, um, man, remember the good old days? Those people get nowhere. They stay where they are. The best days are ahead of you. The best days for your marriage, ahead of you. For your education, ahead of you. The best days for this church are ahead of us. So I just want to remind you that you cannot let your season change your assignment. I want to remind you that through Christ, you belong in this spiritual family. Through Christ, you are the spiritual family. That your community needs, that your school needs, that this city is yelling in hunger for. This city is saying, we need Christ. Because we are trying everything else and it's not working. We need Christ. I just want to remind you that your identity is in Christ. And the truth is that you cannot afford to get offended. You just can't afford it. Your assignment's too big. Your giftings are too big. And the truth is that it's easy to forget the past when it's been hard. It's easy to forget the past when it just was not good for you. But it's hard to face forward when the past was actually good. It's hard to face forward when you actually had it good. When you said to yourself, man, I will die here. Twenty sixteen, God told me, "Hey, start a coffee shop." Great. We're like, "Cool, do it." We started out of my garage, and out of my garage for four years, we took this car everywhere. At first, people were like, "We're going to charge you to be here." We're like, okay. A year later, people were paying us six, seven hundred, a uh, thousand dollars to go be there. 
And all we sold was black coffee at first. People didn't even know what it was. We live in a small town, petroleum town, blue collar. Like they didn't even know what a pour over was. And because we knew that, we're like, well, they like shirts and they like sweaters. So we started selling merch. We sold uh, the first, the first pop-ups. We didn't even sell coffee. We gave coffee and we sold merch. (laughs) He said, do this. I meet this architect and uh, hit it off with him. And he's like, hey, I'm going to call you later. And I'm like, you don't have my phone number. <laughs> He's like, no, I'll find you in, you know, in the future. Late 2019, he calls and he says, hey, I have this place. Come dream a little. I call my business partner and we go. And uh, as soon as we get there, he throws us the keys, get the keys. And as soon as we get the keys, uh, we're dreaming about this new place. And I get to the house. And as soon as I get to the house. Tell my wife, hey, we got to pray for this. And I hear from the Lord. The season's over. It's time to give it up. And like a good Mexican, I said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And I took my family through a whole year of doing 135 hours a week to pass through the church and to be at the shop. There's something that God had told me specifically. Stop it. But I wanted that. It was my dream. And so it's easy to leave all the things behind you when life was bad. But it's hard to face forward and take the next step when life was actually good. And if you're here and if you're a student, just because you made it here, life was good wherever you came from. You had enough money to get here. Maybe not now, because, you know, you got to pay for school, man. <laughs> but I want to finish off with this. You can stand to your feet. I want to encourage you to face forward. Whatever situation it is, I want to encourage you to face forward. That where you are, You have to believe. Because if the if the word of God is true, the best days are ahead of us. And I want to invite you to surrender that moment to the Lord today. I know I want to invite you to come up here, not yet. That if at any moment, while you've been here, you thought, man, I had it good. What am I doing here? You're second guessing yourself. You don't know what's going on. I want to tell you that the best days are ahead of you.
You just can't give up. You can't give up. I'm not asking everybody, but you know who you are. You know you have to surrender that thing to the Lord. You have to say, Lord, I, I just want to face the right way, which is forward. Leaving the things, forgetting the things that were behind you. Now face forward towards the mark of the high calling. That's what God's given you. A higher calling. If that's you, um, I just want to ask you to come forward and find a place um, and let God do surgery in your heart. Let God speak to you in those moments. I don't know if Canada, you do this, if you come forward. <laughs> you don't? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is not about being Canadian. And this is not about what you're used to here. This is about taking an actual step and saying, I'm physically taking a step to say, I'm going to face forward. I am not going to let the past define me. I'm not going to let the past do anything to me. I am going to face forward. There's a pastor's pastoral team. We're going to pray for you guys today. What God's going to do is that God's going to confirm things in your life. What God's going to do is that he's going to encourage you. What God's going to do is that he's going to give you a new perspective. What God's going to do is that he's going to give you uh, uh, energy for the next day. What God's going to do is that he's going to be whispering in your ear and say, yes, it's true. The best days are ahead of you. The best days are ahead of you. And you can forget the past. Because what I have for you, you can't even think or imagine. And so what we're doing right now is that they're going to begin to think. They're going to begin to imagine a new future of what God has for them. And if this is your church, this is where you've chosen to plant yourself. To say, Toronto, you are my home. Whether your heart on my wallet or not, you are my home. I will fight to be here. Because if you brought me here, you want me to plant here. And if that is you, I want you to come. Pray for these young men. Pray for these young women. And tell them, indeed, the best days are ahead of us. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.